uh, read. They greatly bring down our average. So. <laughs> Colossians 1, 15 to 20 is going to be a key passage we're going to talk about today. As last week we talked about God the Father, and today we're going to talk about God the Son, Jesus. And then next week we will talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So in uh, something that just kind of fits with that, Jesus and Moses are playing golf, and they're on the 10th hole. Let's just have a cheesy church joke for a minute. Uh, Moses hits the ball, and it heads straight for a pond. Just before the ball hits the water, the pond parts, and the ball rolls up onto the green. Jesus, Jesus winds up and hits one about to the same spot. Jesus' ball hits the water and skips across. All of a sudden, lightning flashes, and a ball drops from the sky. A fish swallows it. A bird picks up the fish and drops the ball onto a turtle that walks over to the hole and drops it in. Moses turns to Jesus and says, I hate it when your dad plays. So, um, so as you know, you know, we've been preaching a sermon series on theology. I've been calling it uh, the, the, the study of God because theology means the study of God. Last week, we began talking about the Trinity with a sermon on God the Father. And this week, we'll talk about Jesus, God the Son. But as I shared last week, there is so much that could be said about these topics. There are books and books and books and volumes and volumes and volumes written about this topic. I have 100 pages of notes simply from this sermon alone. Now, I'll only share 75 of them with you. Um, actually, those that get the copy know it's not 75 pages. But all I'm saying is we have to abbreviate. We have to think, how can we fit this into one sermon? At the same time, we need this information. We need to know the biblical understanding of God. We need to know the biblical understanding of Jesus. We need to know the biblical understanding of the triunity of the Godhead. We need to know. We need to study. We need to study God, and we need to know God. Now, certainly, you can study God and not know God. You can do that. But I'd also say that you really can't know God without studying God. So let's continue studying. Now, what you need to know is that most cults, deviate from the proper teaching about Jesus, or even the Trinity. Most cults deviate there. But the Bible teaches us, God is three persons, each person is fully God, and there is one God. God is three persons, each person is fully God, and there is one God. God the Father planned and directed creation and redemption through the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Father and Son work together like a Father and Son on earth. There is a type of hierarchy within the Trinity. Today we focus on Jesus. In AD 325, and this is on your screen, um, in AD 325, the Nicene Creed was written in order to codify certain beliefs in the Trinity. And this is what they wrote about Jesus. Now, it's a Nicene Creed. It's, it's not... It's not the Bible, okay? But as I read this, notice all the allusions to Scripture. 
Everything we write, we got to compare with Scripture. Everything I preach, everything your teachers here teach, we got to compare with Scripture. As we look at these historic church documents, compare it with Scripture. And these men of God studied as they wrote. It says, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, this is their beliefs. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made for us and for our, our salvation. He came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again according to the scriptures. 325 AD, according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. This is all about Jesus. And we can see the allusions to the scriptures. You can see kind of the quoting the scriptures without quoting. We can see them talking about the scriptures. We can see them talking about Jesus' pre-existent state. Jesus did not begin when he was born of, uh, of Mary and Joseph. It says, begotten, not made. Of the same essence as the Father. But through him... And that's what Tyler and Addison just read about in Colossians 1, 15 to 20. Through him, all things were made for us and for our salvation. The Nicene Creed, 325 AD. My theme today, Christians believe, there it is, Christians believe in Jesus, born fully God and fully man. Born of a virgin, crucified for us and resurrected. That's what we believe. That's where our faith rests. The application, be encouraged that Jesus is our Savior. He's our powerful and mighty God. I would add just a little to that and say, surrender to him. Sometimes we think of God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit separate. And they are separate, but they're united as one. And so sometimes we can think of God the Father like the, the, you know, the harsh father, the, the bad cop. And Jesus is the good, loving Jesus and, and the, good, the good cop. He's the nice and loving one. But Jesus will come again, and he will come again as judge. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Remember that. And Jesus has some very strong statements throughout the, the New Testament, throughout the Gospels. Surrender to Jesus. Surrender to Jesus. And make sure you know the truth. Make sure you know the truth. I'm going to put that down for a minute. Hebrews 1, 1 to 4. We just read Colossians 1, 15 to 20. We'll come back to that. But Hebrews 1, 1 to 4 is all about Jesus as well. And it says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, capital S, whom he appointed heir of all things, through, also, through whom also he made the world. How do you make the world? Through his Son, through Jesus. And, in, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. And upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become as much better than the angels. As he has inherited a more excellent name than they. Notice that Jesus sat down. When you sit down, your work is complete. Jesus sat down. The work was complete. Later on in the book of Hebrews, it will contrast Jesus with the high priest. 
And the high priests were standing every day, standing, 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 working, working, working every day to make sacrifices for sins that were never good enough. Jesus made one sacrifice for all time and sat down. And this passage is just powerful. He is the exact representation of the Father's nature. He upholds all things by the word of his power. Let's talk about it. Our creator is also our redeemer. We're going to come back to Colossians 1 in a minute. But for now, Hebrews 1, 1 to 4, our creator is also our redeemer. God spoke long ago through the prophets. But now he speaks through Jesus Christ's son. This book, Hebrews, was written to Jewish believers. To Jewish believers. And we'll come back to that in a minute. In Colossians chapter 1, the Bible talks about this as well. Christ is the creator he is the sustainer of all things. Christ is the heir of all things. And he is the visible image of the invisible God. Christ is the awesome Lord. I love this passage. I love the passages in Colossians 1. The verses in Colossians 1. Because it talks about awesome Christ is. Christ is the awesome Lord. Verse 3 shows that Jesus is the radiance the radiance of God's glory. Radiance in Greek means to emit light or splendor. Christ emits light. When Paul saw Jesus on the Damascus road, he saw a bright light. He was blinded. Christ is the radiance of God's glory. Christ is the exact representation of the Father. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Don't compromise the biblical view of Jesus. Christ holds everything together by the word of his power. The Greek word for power means the ability. The inerrant power is the Greek word dunamis. Christ has the power. Christ has all power. Christ died for our sins and then sat down at the right hand of God. The rest of Hebrews is showing that Jesus is greater than Moses Jesus is greater than the angels. They had a problem in the early church with angel worship. And it, you see in Colossians, you see here a rebuke of that. The rest of Hebrews, the author makes a case that Jesus is the greatest. In Hebrews, the author is preaching the sermon in letter form to show that Jesus is our great high priest. Jesus is our only savior. Do you believe that? If you believe that, say Amen. Jesus is our only Savior. Amen? Sometimes we end up going to other things for salvation, but Jesus is our only Savior. Colossians 1.17, it says, He's before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And in the Nicene Creed, we see allusions to Colossians 1.15-20, as well as John 1.1-14. 1, 1 Verse 17 even says that all things hold together by Jesus. If Jesus stopped being in control creation would fall apart. Isn't that amazing? Everything is held together by Jesus. If he stopped being in control, I don't even know what that means. What would it look like for him to stop being in control? We wouldn't know because in less than a second, less than a blink of an eye, we would be gone. We would cease to exist. Everything would, it would just fall apart. And so I tried to think of an illustration of this, and the only thing I could think of was water. This water is held together by the pitcher, right? It's held together by this. You know, 
and, and like this pitcher holds together the water, Jesus holds all of creation together. And he holds all of creation together by the word of his power. By the, just, the, just the vocal word of his power. You know, so I could pour it out, and the pitcher is no longer holding the water. But to prevent mess, I could pour it back in here, right? Because some of you wouldn't like it, you know, if I just poured it on the floor. But the pitcher holds the water together. Jesus holds all of creation together by the word of his power. Everything is held together by Jesus. We could go to John 1, which we'll look at here in a minute, and we could see that Jesus created all things. Everything is held together by Jesus. Colossians 1.18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Who has the supremacy? Who is the head of the church? It's all about Jesus. Christianity is all about Jesus. It all goes back to Jesus, our Savior. But Jesus was fully God. Before his birth in Bethlehem, he was fully God. At the time of his birth in Bethlehem, Jesus became a man. He became a man. And I have a lot of scripture up here. It's going to be on the screen just to show that Jesus became fully human. He did not just appear to be human. He was fully human. And he was also fully God at the same time. 100% God, 100% man. And again, this is where it's just too much to share in one sermon. Sometime, someday, maybe we will have a six-week series on this. We could talk about it in an extended way. John 1.14 says, And the word, which is referring to Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glorious of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Get that, by the way. Jesus is full of grace and truth. Most of us compromise truth at the expense of, uh, compromise truth for grace, or compromise grace for truth. Jesus is 100% grace and 100% truth. There is no compromise. Jesus took on flesh and became one of them. Luke 2.52 shows that he grew in knowledge and stature. Jesus went through growing pains as we do. He was a real boy. He was a real baby. He was a real infant. He was a real toddler. He was a real teenager, though they didn't even have that word back then. Teenager is a really a recent idea in the last hundred years. Luke 2.52 2 says, And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Another scripture, Hebrews 5.8 shows that he learned. Hebrews 5.8, although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. John 11.35 shows he had emotions. John 11.35, shortest verse of the Bible. If you ever need a verse to memorize just for a test, pick John 11.35. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Don't really pick John 11.35. That's cheating. But John 4.6 shows that Jesus was tired. In John 4.6, it says Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Jesus grew tired as we do. He was and still is, still is fully human, by the way. John 19.28, Jesus was thirsty. John 19.28, later knowing that all was now completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. He was fully human. He was thirsty. Matthew 4.2, Jesus went through hunger. Matthew 4.2, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry because he was fully human. He still is fully human. Luke 4.13, he did not sin. Luke 4.13, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportunity, a more opportune time. He was tempted, but he never sinned. 
John 8, 46. He was sinless. In John 8, 46, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? We see enough evidence here that Jesus is fully human, fully man. But Jesus is also fully God. We showed that with Hebrews 1. We showed that with John 1. We showed that with Colossians 1, 15 to 20. We cannot compromise this view. There are many other scriptures showing his humanity, one of which would be that Jesus died. Jesus died, but death could not contain him, so he was resurrected for us. Now, Hebrews 1.8 is a passage about Jesus reigning. But about the Son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. This is about Jesus, about the Son. Your throne, O God. Let's say this together. Your throne, O God will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You know, eventually, you will, we will, all surrender to Jesus. Because he is reigning as king. But Jesus is intermediating between you and God the Father right now on behalf of your sins. He's our intermediator right now, and we have a choice to make. We surrender to Jesus now or later, or preferably both. Philippians 2, 6 through 11, which is called the Christ hymn, says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We need to surrender now, and I pray that we desire and want others to surrender to Jesus now as well. That's why we share the gospel. Some of us are like Jonah. God might call us to share Jesus with somebody, just like Jonah was called to take uh, the gospel to Nineveh, and Jonah was reluctant. Some of us are reluctant. I pray that God will still have his way with us. Surrender now to Jesus. Let him be your king. A.W. Tozer wrote this prayer. He said, Father, I want to know thee, but my coward heart fears to give up its toys. I cannot part with them without inward bleeding. And I don't try to hide from thee the terror of the parting. I come trembling, but I do come. Please root from my heart all those things which I have cherished so long, and which I have become a very part of my living self, so that thou mayest enter and dwell without a rival. Then shalt thou make the place of thy feet glorious. Let Jesus be your Lord. Then shall my heart have no need of the sun to shine in it. For thyself will be the light of it. There shall be no night there. In Jesus' name, amen. Surrender to Jesus. Surrender to Jesus daily. I don't care if you gave your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior 80 years ago at something. Make sure you are continuously surrendering to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Recognizing his majesty, his greatness. And understand when we compromise his word, we compromise his character, we compromise his truth, we compromise Jesus. Outside the Bible, there are secular writers who make mention of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tacitus, in book 15, chapter 44, writing in A.D. 114, tells us that the founder of the Christian religion, Jesus Christ, was put to death by Pontius Pilate in the reign of the Roman Emperor Tiberius. Pliny the Younger wrote a letter to the Emperor Trajan on the subject of Christ and Christians in book 1096. 
Josephus, a Jewish historian, in AD 90, has a short biographical note on Jesus, who is called Christ in his antiquities. Book 18, chapter 3, section 3. The Babylonian Talmud also makes mention of Jesus Christ. And by the way, if you do further digging, you can find ancient Jewish sources that actually believe that Jesus did miracles and actually believe that Jesus even rose from the dead. These are people who did not accept him as Savior, did not believe he was the Messiah, but yet they gave credit to his miracles and to his resurrection. That's powerful. Charles R. Swindoll, Chuck Swindoll, one of my favorite preachers, said this. The storm will come, if you, and if you have an, a rock to stand on, you will plunge. Jesus is that rock. The storm will come, and if you have an, a rock to stand on, you will plunge. Jesus is that rock. Trust in him. Swindoll also gave this other quote. Helen Malakot made a Malencote made a real contribution to your life and mine when she wrote the following. I was regretting the past and fearing the future. Suddenly, my Lord was speaking. My name is I am. He paused. I waited. He continued. When you live in the past with its mistakes and regrets, it is hard. I'm not there. My name is not I was. When you live in the future with its problems and fears, it is hard. I'm not there. My name is not I will be. When you live in this moment, it is not hard. I am here. My name is I am. Jesus is with us everywhere. Let Jesus be your rock. He is with us now. You know, Jesus said... Where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there with you. And sometimes we misapply that. How many Christians does it take for Jesus to be present? One. If you are in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. Jesus is present with you and you alone. When Jesus said where two or three are gathered in my name, he's talking about churches going through trials and tribulations and church discipline. In the previous passage, he was talking about churches confronting sin, and he was encouraging them. When you confront problems in the church, there are two or three gathered. Guess what? I'm there too. But even in your own individual prayer life, Jesus is there with you. Jesus is omnipresent. Just as God the Father is omnipresent. He's present everywhere. Jesus is all-powerful, omnipotent. Just as God the Father is all-powerful, omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Jesus is omniscient. Just as God the Father is omniscient. He knows everything. Let Jesus be your rock. Surrender to him. Surrender to him. He is with us now. So do you know him? Are you surrendered to Jesus? You know, in Luke 9, 23, I quote this most every Sunday. Jesus says, anyone can come after me. Any one of us. Doesn't matter your nationality. Doesn't matter where you live. Doesn't matter your gender. Anyone can follow after Jesus. But he says you got to deny yourself. you got to take up your cross and follow. Sometimes we make Jesus, following Jesus, too difficult or too easy. But he calls us to commit, deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow. I think in the American church, most of the time we make following Jesus too easy. Accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior is easy. Following Jesus calls for commitment. Jesus even said to count the cost. 
Make him Lord of our lives. It's a struggle, though, isn't it? It's a struggle to make Jesus Lord of our lives because all these other things pull at us. But Jesus calls us to make him Lord. There can only be one Lord. He's, e he's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. Which is he to you? Is he Lord of all in your life? Or is he not Lord at all? There is no compromise. God created us to be in a relationship with him. You know, if we contrast, this is where theology is important. This is where doctrine is important. If you contrast the God of the Bible versus the God of the Quran with uh, Allah, you find out that Allah is not a relational God. God is relational. He desires a relationship with us. He walked with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And though our sin separated us from God because God is holy, he is perfect, he is pure. And though sins cannot be removed by good deeds, our good works don't cover sin. Jesus' blood covers sins. So paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Why did, Je why did Jesus do it? Why did God do it? Because he wants a relationship with us. So do you have a relationship with God is the question. I think it was C.S. Lewis that called God the Father, the hound of heaven, who chases us down. Everyone who trusts in Jesus alone has eternal life. Life is eternal means we will be with Jesus forever. I have officiated some 50-some funerals, probably over 50. It was 46 when I left Alliance. But, you know, it's wonderful when I know the person had an ultimate trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And we can all stand there at the grave and say, we know that he's in heaven. She's in heaven. It's hard when I'm called from the community and I say, sure, I'll officiate the funeral. And you don't really know. By their testimony, some people totally outright reject Christ. But you never know what their last thoughts are, so I would never condemn someone. But I pray and hope that you know for certain that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you're going to heaven the moment God calls you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are great, you are mighty, you are awesome, you are majestic, you are God, and there is no other. Lord Jesus, you are Lord of all. Lord of all, Lord Jesus, everything is held together by your power, by your, by your awesome power. Everything is held together by your word. You are awesome, Lord. You are awesome in this place. You are Lord, and there is no other. Oh, Lord Jesus, you are Lord along with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. All three God, all three separate, beyond my understanding, but that's because you're God and I am not. If I could understand you, then I would not, then you would not be that great. Lord Jesus, I pray that we surrender to you today. I pray that we surrender to you every day. I pray that we recognize you as Lord and Savior. I pray that we trust in you as Lord and Savior. I pray that we believe in you as the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except by you. I pray that that belief is a firm, solid trust in you. I pray that we are repentant, that we have a fruit of repentance in our life, a fruit of repentance, that we are constantly being convicted of our sin and need of a Savior and repenting and turning to you trusting in you. If anyone here is not, has not repented and turned to you, may today be the day of salvation. May today be the day when they believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. When they commit to you as Lord and Savior, when they trust in you. And also, may we all confess that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Jesus, you are Lord.
In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like you to stand for the closing song. That message today came from the pastor's heart. It comes from our hearts that you know Christ as Savior. I've been here for over five years now, and I, I don't know each one of you personally. God knows you, and he knows your heart. And I pray this morning that you know him as Savior, and then you commit your life to surrendering yourself to follow his will and not yours. If you'd like prayer at any time during this song, I'm sure the pastor would like to pray with you. That Some of the elders here will come forward and pray with you. If it's for strength or it's for just how to know Christ, if you don't know him or maybe you're not surrendered to him and you, this morning you want to say, Jesus, I want to surrender to you for the rest of my life. As we sing this precious song, please come forward. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Oh, Master, Concentrate on Jesus this morning. Jesus, 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 there's just something above that name. Oh, Master, Savior, Jesus, like the Something about that name. Now to him who is able to establish you according to the gospel, and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to obedience of faith, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ be the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus.
coração.